and we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 307, aka Year 7, Week 5. Uh, coming at you this week, as always, I am your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, along with MC. And since this is your regularly scheduled call-in show, uh, those numbers are 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. That's 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. I've got a whole bunch of news articles that we can talk about in a minute, MC. Uh, But Texas is frozen is somehow the the big story uh, in the news this week and Oh yeah. What did what did you have to say about that? Oh, I've got lots to say about it. But well, let's I, I do don't it. Know how much time we want to spend on it, but fill up the um, hour, man. Doesn't matter. It's as much as me, it works out to be. Like we don't have to overextend it. Like we're not pushing for a time limit. So if the if the conversation comes to an end and there's nothing more to say, then we stop, right? Yeah. Um so th- there is a lot of politics involved in uh controlling people's uh levels of fear let's say um and so one of the things that that uh, happened recently uh, is the the thing called the green new deal in politics you know uh the green new deal aoc was uh, a champion of that and uh somebody recently came out and said oh yeah that's uh it's actually you know socialism or communism it's it's actually what it's about it's not it's not really about climate change at all but um it's about controlling people and so I think that's the only way to get to the goals of the Green New Deal, right? Whether whether or not they're uh, sincere about the no, ends. Well, they're well, they're not, and that's okay. That's part of it. I mean, there's it's it's basically impossible to control the Earth's atmosphere enough to you know warm the planet or cool the planet uh, by uh, willpower by human willpower. I generally agree with you, but that doesn't mean I don't think that those people believe that it's possible, right? They could be sincerely wrong about their beliefs, and I'd still say that they were sincere. We just disagree. Right. Yeah. But um, but I believe that their root uh, goal is actually socialism, communism, and and they're just using the climate as an excuse. Okay. And I'll, I, would, I would grant that for the politicians in the U.S., mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, there, no. There's a whole bunch of people that want the Green New Deal because they actually believe it's going to save the planet. Okay, they're yeah, just, okay, they're good. just dumb and wrong. <laughs> yes, yes, they're dumb and wrong, um, but they actually believe it. But the politicians who who are power hungry uh, are using that mechanism to push through to get more power. Yeah, whether or not they believe it, it doesn't matter. They just right. want more power. Um. So anyway, um. The the uh, there, there's a lot of. Uh, problem with the the language when they talk about climate change and so to explain it i will say that well i'll ask a question um at what point does weather become climate change is it uh, a year-long average is it a 10-year trend is it uh, 100 years is it 6,000 years is it you know do we have to you know look back uh, at the last million years and look at the trends that, that happened then? Um, is it something that you can even predict? Um, so, uh, yeah. Is that it's, a rhetorical question or do you want it, me to like try to give my answer to that? It's, I mean, you, you can try, okay. but um, that that's my main point is that, um, you know, depending on who you ask, what's happening in Texas right now is, is weather uh, it's an unpredictable weather event and should be just taken as that. And then there's some people that will say, no, this is evidence of climate change. I think the people who say that are the ones with an agenda. Hmm. Because for me, whether or not it was predictable, um, it seems to be an anomalous weather event, right? That Texas got the brunt of, but was, you know, swept across the country right like it was if you look at if you look at the temperature maps for the entire country it was a cold front that swept across the whole thing Mm -hmm. um i think i seen a chart today i i look particularly in new hampshire because you know that's where i am um but it was like the map said consistently below freezing temperatures for like 18 days or something to that effect right and we weren't even in the absolute cold zone 
right? We were like, you know, second tier cold. And there were places where it was even colder than that, like, you know, below zero or, you know, below freezing for even longer. Um, so uh, Texas, you know, it's not like, it's not like the, the storm rolled over Texas and that was it, right? There was a, there, Texas got the brunt of it. There was a lot of other things uh, that may, you know, in hindsight may have been preventable in Texas. Uh, but I wouldn't, I don't want to, I personally wouldn't throw out the term climate change when this was, you know, a winter storm of sorts that happened to roll through Texas. Does that make sense? Right. Yep. And so then the other issue is that there's lots of people in the past that said, oh, you know, they'll never have uh, snow in Texas again because of global warming. And of, of course, then this happens. And it's like uh, people that make predictions are usually wrong. Yeah. That's so, why you make a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> and you cherry pick the ones you get right. Right, right, right. Um, the 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 so interesting comparison for predictions that I saw again. This is just you know an anecdotal thing. Um, was basically you know the from 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 you know last year or whatever, and it was the the meteorologist predicting like this is going to be the warmest winter on history, you know, and then mm-hmm. just warming temperatures across the board, and then like one dude on Facebook going. I think it's going to be pretty cold this year. And then like his first comment was, <laughs> and the reason I think so is because, uh, the, you know, all the wildfires that, that, you know, happened in California, um, did enough, I must use the word damage to actually affect weather patterns. And that was the end of it. Yeah. Maybe. I, maybe. I, right. You know. I don't know. But one guy I mean, predicted. That's, that's, yeah. <laughs> it's like Peter Schiff every year, uh, you know, Claiming the crash is, is, is right around the corner. <laughs> eventually, he'll be right. Yeah, eventually, he will be right. That's the thing. You know, I, I remember back in, uh, I was a big fan of Peter Schiff back in 2008, around there, when he, when he yeah, predicted the, the housing. Well, every, everyone was at the time. Well, because everything you saw was him predicting things and then, you know, having them come to fruition. You go, well, if he predicted then, maybe he's right this time. Um, right. And he still may be right, but much, you know, much like the disillusionment of him being wrong all the time now, right? It's like um, my disillusionment with uh, with Ron Paul a little bit and, you know, predicting the end of the U.S. dollar for like 50 years, right? Because mm-hmm. even that, that, the dollar collapses right around the corner. Uh, and instead, what we see is, you know, the slow, steady... Uh, decline of the dollar va- purchasing power and the dollar value, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's a, it's a slow boil rather than you know an immediate explosion uh, to make them right. And with Peter Schiff and Bitcoin, um, it could be you know a slow boil from the all time high down to nothingness um, as other coins you know take the mantle, and you know then he would decree from the rooftops about how right he was for forty five years or how. <laughs> When on his deathbed, <laughs> I was right about Bitcoin, you know. Uh, but in in the interim, there's you know there's a lot of there's a lot of value to be had from using the technology, um, even if you don't back Bitcoin as the as the head coin. Yeah. Um, so back to climate Texas, change a little yeah. bit. Um, there's a. Of, of course, they built a lot of windmills in Texas. Um, a whole bunch of uh, liberal policymakers decided that was the the best thing to do of course and a whole bunch of them froze yeah so there's a lack of electricity Uh, some of the uh, gas lines ceased to function because they require electricity for their their pumps and so now people are out of gas and electricity Um, so that's kind of sad right but again that's just you know people i mean it's it's not typical for texas to freeze right Um, but it has happened in the past, and you could make a prediction it will probably happen in the future, unless somebody's telling you that the globe has warmed and it will never happen again. Right. So, and, and so I'm not going to I'm not going to take the position that the Texas power uh, grid or power supply uh, was wrong to put up all those windmills. Like I I remember a conversation I had um, at the beginning of the pandemic when uh, you know toilet paper was nowhere to be found on the shelves and, and, and stock was in short supply because 
you know, the, the supply chain and manufacturing got disrupted. Um, and there were, you know, I, I had this argument debate discussion and the person on the other side basically said like the just in time inventory management system, uh, has failed and is a failure, you know, because like when the shit really hit the fan, it was not able to withstand this load. And I go, (laughs) well, that's, yeah, it failed in this particular instance, but it's not a failure overall. Like this is not the normal situation. This is an anomaly, right? Yeah, I mean, to me, to me, I do look at the reliability of wind power and it's, it's not as reliable as burning fossil fuels and maybe true but if it's more efficient 99 percent of the time right and then once every few years there's a catastrophe right i wouldn't then suggest that you use fossil fuels the entire time but but it's not the the use of windmills isn't necessarily about efficiency either okay it's it's about uh well it's just the the agenda of the politicians mainly um and there is some pollution associated with you know coal-fired plants and stuff like that, but you know we don't even have to use those anymore. You could do natural gas or uh, you know other things, nuclear. Nuclear. So, yeah. So it's yeah, it's not about efficiency so much as it is whatever uh, agenda people have. And right. And so, there, and yeah, it all does come down to money and power, and and uh, unfortunately, uh, political power. Uh, is you know at all time high now, and so people make decisions uh, based on uh, you know what what they personally get out of it or whatever their agenda is, uh, rather than what's most efficient or what's more most reliable. Um, but and, you know, and I would say it that's... is it is a one off thing. So it's not like yeah, it's it's not like I really care all that much. Uh, however, I don't care for windmills. If I was in Texas, I would fight against windmills. But um, you should fight on it on the grounds of what you just said, where it's it's not more efficient, it's politically motivated, and not so much because look, they all froze in you know a, a, a once in a multi generational storm. Well, I mean, but that right? that is part of the argument is reliability. I mean, you know, freezing, uh, you know, once every forty years is not acceptable. You know, because you can if you freeze once, it's over. <laughs> well yeah but i mean i'm I'm saying if you freeze to death (laughs) okay yeah for 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 an individual certainly but as but again you know that's the the same argument for the just-in-time inventory system right the the alternative to that is to uh spend a great deal warehousing backstock of all these items right because the one time that there was a supply chain disruption uh and and manufacturing went down we did not have all the stock and well, I, my suggestion for that was no, because well, it will catch up. That's okay. I don't. I don't care about that issue as much because it's, there's still a, uh, a a fairly easy way out of that, and that's you know have your own supply, um, so you're not worried about the the supply system breaking down uh, for one month. I mean, I think yeah, and when you it, could say the same thing for electricity, get a generator. Right, get a gas pot, get a gas power generator and a and a, and a propane tank out back, just in case. Keep that thing sure. filled, just just in case that one time in forty years you need to turn that some bitch on. Yeah, and 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 if they continue with the windmill nonsense, you know that that's a good thing to do. But then you're you're letting the the politicians make to me a bad decision to put up windmills, and then so you're paying extra for the windmills. Yeah. And then you have to pay extra for the electric generator. You know, at some point, like, it's just, it's not worth it anymore. And you should just say, you know, let the, the power companies come up with the most efficient and most reliable way to get power to my house and leave, let the politicians, like, sit on the curb. And I would, <laughs> I would accept that argument, but it, it, it is possible that the power companies would still come up with windmills because it may, it may whereas it may freeze over, it will only freeze over once every 40 some odd years. And it's not something that you need to concern I, yourself with on a day-to-day basis. I, I disagree that they would come up with windmills. I, they might use some windmills okay. where it's most efficient, but yes. when, when factoring uh, cost and reliability 
windmills do not fit that. <laughs> okay. And again, that, that is an argument that I'm willing to hear out, right? If that's, if that's true and that's your belief, then I will accept that. Um, but what I, what I do take issue with is see the windmills froze and therefore we can't have windmills. Yeah. If, if windmills were not subsidized, if solar panels were not subsidized, they wouldn't be used. Again, another acceptable argument because you're not you're not making the one that the, the current <laughs> crop of people are making uh, on social media about you know sure. it, it being impacted by the storm. Yeah. And I'll tie it in but, one. I mean, that's yeah, that's just the, that the, the storm is just a one-off uh, issue that you yeah know, we 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 can just write off as as being one-off. But that's what I'm doing. There, there's there's uh, still an argument to be had that re- reliability should factor into decision-making process. And uh, it, that was obviously lacking. <laughs> well, okay. So, and I would disagree with that because reliability probably was factored in to the decision-making process. And, you know, uh, well, there, not, not there, if, not if the scientist, you know, the scientist that you, everybody has to agree with or else they'll be, you know, thrown out of government position. Um, yeah. You have to, you have to agree with them that it'll never freeze in Texas again, because that's what they're saying. Okay. Well, I hear you, but what I'm saying is with there, there's nothing that is a hundred percent reliable. There is always an acceptable rate of failure. Right. And I would say that freezing windmills in a once in a lifetime storm would qualify in my opinion as an acceptable rate of failure. Right. If it was, if there was, uh, other ways. I, I, I would say so. Yes. Also, but it's not like it hasn't happened before. You know, it happened in 1987 and uh, I think a worse storm happened in, uh, yeah, but 87 was like 35 years ago, man. <laughs> yeah, okay. But still 35 years isn't, uh, you know, it's maybe, you know, that's a generation. Twice, this is maybe a twice in a generation storm, twice, twice in a lifetime thing, but it's okay. It's, it's the the word that's been overused so much is is unprecedented. I heard, okay. I heard a guy a guy uh, talk on YouTube about the the storm. And he said the storm uh, it's it's been unprecedented. It hasn't happened since 1987. Well, I was like, well, then it is a precedent, yeah. <laughs> and they and they should have factored that in. <laughs> no, they sh- absolutely right. <laughs> but there's you know there there are still. There are still uh, homes being built in Tornado Alley, right? People still live in Florida uh, and but Hawaii. See, a, a lot of the, a lot of those things are government incentivized. Maybe, but where where are you going to live where there's like zero chance of a natural disaster? That's that's not the point. The point is the government is actually subsidizing insurance so that people can can build. Uh, and 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 uh, not be financially liable for their mistake. So it's uh, yeah, incentives matter, and incentives are usually put in the wrong place. And, and in this case, it's it's with you know subsidizing windmills and solar panels. Okay, and I'm still not going to say that even if it wasn't unsubsidized, that people wouldn't factor in you know a a once in a 35 years since we have you know numbers on it now 30 once in 34 years uh, a, a storm no. rolls through. So I'm 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 not saying that uh, they would not use windmills because of a storm. What I'm saying is, given t- take out government incentive, and they they wouldn't have used windmills regardless whether okay. the storm is possible or not. And what I'm saying is, without government incentives, they would have been in a better, more reliable, uh, less risky situation, um, and probably cheaper. Uh, if the government wasn't there. so I would generally agree with that. So one of the other issues that came up um, regarding, you know, incentives and costs was, you know, the, the, the big wreck on the freeway, right? Like, you know, killed six or seven people and racked up like a hundred cars because the storm came through, the roads got wet, the roads iced over and people were slipping and sliding and couldn't stop. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the, the narrative from the uh, northern states, right, was look at these dumbass southerners don't know how to drive in the snow, right? Because <laughs> because up here, you know, it's well, it's snows and we drive. Yeah, and and they don't have snow tires in in the south. And, right, they don't have snow tires. And, and, they don't, they don't have salt even trucks. They don't have sand trucks. They don't have plows. But they don't even know that they need snow tires. 
understood. <laughs> you know, it's like they, 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 it's, 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 it, there's a learning process and they're going through it now really quick. <laughs> right. But are, uh, but in the future, do they need, you know, does Texas, if I, if I'm living in Texas in 20, uh, you know, winter of 2021, 2022, am I going to swap out my, my, uh, all weathers for snow tires? Right. Am I going to accept an increase in my, you know, taxes, uh, to make sure that there are, uh, salt banks and, and, and sand trucks and salt trucks and snow plows like at the ready, uh, in case no, this happens. You, you pro- no, you probably wouldn't want to pay for it. And right. You know, all that. So, so, and that's again, to, you know, tying it all back in having this be a, an anomalous weather event, there's no way it w- it's reasonable to, to say that they should have accepted the costs associated with preparation, uh, for something that even if it was predictable, right, was so out of the ordinary that there's no way the cost would, would merit, would, uh, would merit bearing, right. Much, right. much like my earlier example with the just in time inventory system, there's no way, you know, to, to justify the cost of warehousing goods, um, for an event that has such a infinitesimally small chance of occurring, um, to bear the cost. You go with the just-in-time yeah. inventory system because it's cheaper, faster, more efficient um, all the way around. And then shit happens and you got to figure it out when that happens. But you don't you don't bear that cost unnecessarily for for minuscule percentages. Like you don't bear the cost of, you know, however, whatever, uh, un, even if it were unsubsidized, whatever other mechanism uh, of generating power in Texas could have been in a freer market, Right. If it's if it's more expensive than what they were doing, uh, why bear that cost when this is such an anomalous event? It's maybe precedented, but still certainly unexpected. Yeah, I still stand by that that the windmills shouldn't have been built. Yeah, well, again, that's fine because you gave a bunch of good reasons why they shouldn't. That had nothing to do with the storm. And I go like, if you're going to well, have that argument. Make it's, that it's just one it's just one more tick on my argument though and that okay. re, the reliability is an issue so it's maybe not very often that that reliability issue comes up but when it does come up it matters and it affects people yeah but again if you if you if you hinge even if you add it as one more tick right i think you open yourself up to rebuttal much more so because every system of delivering power is going to have reliability issues Right. Yeah, if, that's if, why you should pick the most reliable. Well, again, not if the not if it's more costly and and you know. But the, but they're not. That's my whole point. The windmills are very costly and they're less reliable. Okay, and that would be the argument. Yeah, of course. <laughs> right, because if you know, again, let's just, let's think for a moment. If you know, if there was a coal fired plant, right, and you know, some electric and a tornado blew blew through. So, and well, wiped what, out what the, the, you know, the coal plant. What the politicians are saying is that the coal plants are are too risky to use because they will change the planet's uh, climate and and will all burn up. <laughs> you know, and sure, and that's actually not even real. There's like there's no uh, precedent of that happening. Understood, but it's it's it can always be brought up as an argument that something is going to wipe out this, that, or the other in an anomalous event. And they would have that same, you know, same argument for you as you for them for this one. Moving on. Um, sure, sure, sure. All right. Uh, did you have more about the Texas storm or do you want to do headlines? Uh, no, not really. Let's do a headline. All right. Um, I've got a bunch lined up. I want to start with this one because it kind of ties into bad government behavior. Um, a dozen cops dispatched to protect a dumpster full of food from hungry people. Uh, this is from the Free Thought Project. Portland, Oregon, a good state to do this in. The state of Oregon has one of the largest homeless populations in the country. Its largest city, Portland, is home to the fourth largest houseless population in the entire United States. Having such a large homeless population means that there are a lot of hungry folks in the city. So when the local Fred Meyer throws the entire store's perishables in the trash because they lost power, it garners the attention of the hungry as well as those who wish to feed the hungry. As the following case illustrates, it also garnered the attention of a dozen cops who collected their taxpayer-funded salaries to guard the dumpster 
and make sure the food never made its way to the homeless population. According to reports, the Fred Meyer story on Hollywood in Portland lost power on Tuesday and threw away thousands of food items they said were no longer safe for consumption due to the temperatures the items had reached. The decision was made out of an abundance of caution, according to a Fred Meyer spokesperson. To be clear, the food was not expired and was actually preserved outside due to the cold temperatures, and many people (laughs) were more than willing to take it regardless of the warning from Fred Meyer. Uh, When someone spotted the food, they posted it on social media, and individuals hungry and helpful alike descended on the Fred Meyer dumpster. On Tuesday afternoon, the group of people around the dumpster collecting the food were quickly met by police officers. According to the police, an employee called because they felt the situation was escalating and feared there may be a physical confrontation. A Fred Meyer spokesperson sent the following statement in regards to the incident. We appreciate people speaking out against hunger. We get it. Throwing away food is never a good thing. Unfortunately, some perishable food that requires refrigeration at our Hollywood store was out of temperature for a protracted period of time. This was due to a weather-related power outage, and it is not safe for consumption. Out of an abundance of caution, we are disposing of the product to keep people safe. We engaged law enforcement as the safety of our associates and customers is always our top priority. But these folks were hungry and were willing to get the food from a dumpster. They know the risks. Why not let them have it? People dumpster dive for expired food all the time, and no one stops them. This time, however, police stepped in to stop it. After that, other people started showing up and asking them, Why are you guys guarding the dumpster? Local resident Morgan McKiff said to Oregon Live. People took to Twitter to criticize the response by police, noting that they often take a very long time to respond to calls if they show up at all. But when it was people trying to feed themselves, they showed up in full force. McKinniff said many of the people police threatened with arrest and turned away are regular customers of the store, according to Oregon Live. I live in this neighborhood. This neighborhood doesn't have power, McKinniff said. And Fred Meyer is telling people in this immediate community who shop here that they can't have these things they're throwing away. Cheese, pickles, yogurts, things that are intentionally cultured and cured. One person in attendance drew a parallel between the police response to the dumpster and police response to protests over the summer. Here, it's not broken windows, it's tossed away, but otherwise completely fine food, that person said. It's not a bad situation or vandalism, it's literally the exact opposite, feeding hungry people. Yet they still use the same apparatus to prevent anything from being done. Luckily, the police eventually left and realized that there were no legitimate threats to person or property. The people returned and were able to get the food without incident, illustrating the unnecessary show of force in the first place. Uh, Good ending. Yes. Um, (laughs) End of the article. Nobody got shot. (laughs) Your your thoughts on police guarding trash? Um. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, I, and I, I guess if, if they wanted to hire their own personal security to guard the trash, it's like, fine, it's your trash. Do that if you want. <laughs> but I didn't but, get the like, impression if, that Fred Myers like called the police to guard it, right? Like they didn't seem to care and it just, please show up. I guess I'd have, to, I'd have to read it again. Okay. Like that, you know. I so, Somebody called the cops, right? Well, yeah, but I, I don't know. I mean, see if I can skim through it here because I don't remember. I don't remember reading that. You know, Fred Myers went, "Hey, they're stealing the food." Right. Well, maybe not, but somebody called the cops. But yeah. I guess what I'm trying to say is, uh, you're a cop. You get called. Somebody says, "Oh, they're stealing stuff out of a trash can," and you show up and go, "Oh, that's that's wonderful." Um, uh, are are you okay? Do you are are you dying? Do you need do you do you need my services? Uh, no, okay, continue dumpster diving. I'm leaving. <laughs> like, yes. like, why would a cop even waste his time uh, worrying about what somebody's doing in, in somebody's trash? Um, I don't know. I wouldn't. I agree. But, and, and again, happy ending there uh, because they were able to, to, you know, get the food without incident. All right, moving on. Headline. Uh, new legislation would protect drivers who hit protesters. Oklahoma City. This is a good one. 
Uh, when massive demonstrations against racial injustice erupted across the nation last summer, protesters used an increasingly common tactic to draw attention to their cause, swarming out onto major roads to tempor temporarily paralyze traffic. This method sometimes resulted in searing images of drivers plowing through crowds, causing serious injury and in some cases death. Now, Republican politicians across the country are moving to stop the roadblocking maneuver proposing increased penalties for demonstrators who run onto highways and legal immunity for drivers who hit them. The Ooh. bills are among dozens introduced in legislatures aimed at cracking down on demonstrations. It's not going to be peaceful protest if you're impeding the freedom of others, said Representative Kevin McDougal, the author of an Oklahoma bill granting criminal and civil immunity to people who drive into crowds and on roads. The driver of that truck had family in there, and they were scared to death. He referred to an incident in July in which a pickup truck pulling a horse trailer drove through Black Lives Matter protesters on Interstate 244 in Tulsa. Three people were seriously injured, including a 33-year-old man who fell from an overpass and was left paralyzed from the waist down. Tumultuous demonstrations by left-leaning and right-leaning groups have stirred new debate about what tactics are acceptable free speech and which go too far. In addition to blocking roads, Black Lives Matter demonstrators have taken over parks and painted slogans on streets and structures, while right-wing groups have brandished firearms and stormed Capitol buildings. Local authorities' responses have wavered as they try to avoid escalating conflicts. Now legislatures in Iowa, Missouri, Oklahoma, Utah, and about a dozen other states have introduced new counter-protest measures. The traffic-blocking tactic has attracted the most concern because of the obvious hazard. In one particularly chilling incident in Minneapolis, a large tanker truck drove at high speed through thousands of protests, protesters gathered on a closed highway. Remarkably, no one was seriously hurt, though a criminal complaint says at least one protester suffered abrasions. Mark Falk, a longtime Oklahoma activist who was arrested last year for blocking a roadway, said dramatic tactics are necessary to get people's attention. The idea of escalating it to the point where you disrupt the convenience of the citizens and of the status quo, you have to do that sometimes to make a point, Falk said. But Carmine Taylor, 20, recalled the sight of a pickup truck bearing down on protesters spread across the six-lane I-244 in Tulsa. The most vivid thing I remember is when I got pulled to the ground. I remember seeing both sets of wheels run over my legs, which was a little traumatizing, said Taylor, who suffered a broken leg and a sprained ankle. For the first two weeks after the accident, I couldn't walk. In Seattle, Summer Taylor, 24, was killed and another person was seriously injured in July when a man drove his car into protesters on a closed Seattle freeway. A graphic video posted on social media showed the car swerving around several parked cars and slamming into two protesters, sending them flying into the air. In an incident in St. Louis in May, a 29-year-old man was dragged to his death beneath a tractor trailer that drove into a sign-carrying group on a road. Whether drivers face criminal charges in such incidents depends on the circumstances of each case, prosecutors say. The tractor-trailer driver in St. Louis has not been criminally charged, while the driver of the car in Seattle has pled not guilty to charges of vehicular homicide, vehicular assault, and reckless driving. District Attorney Steve Kunzweiler declined to fight file charges against the driver in Tulsa, saying several people in the crowd had attacked the vehicle with the driver's children inside. But Kunzweiler stopped short of endorsing proposals for harsher penalties for protesters on blanket immunity for drivers. There are any number of laws already in place that are readily available to be enforced, he said. A bill granting drivers immunity for hitting protesters easily cleared an Oklahoma Senate committee recently on an 8-to-1 vote. Two others are pending in the Statehouse. But critics say that proposals are only designed to intimidate people, not solve a problem. The biggest concern is that the ch they chill speech and they chill folks gathering to protest, said Nicole McAfee, policy director for the Oklahoma chapter of American Civil Liberties Union. About 50 people were arrested during several days of protest in Tulsa and Oklahoma City. Most of the arrests were for disorderly conduct, a misdemeanor punishable by up to a year in jail and rioting, a felony that carries a maximum penalty of 10 years in prison. At least two men accused of burning a sheriff's van were charged under the state's anti-terrorism law a felony that carries a sentence of up to life in prison. Those cases are pending. Proposals in Oklahoma would increase the criminal penalties for blocking a roadway. 
including one making it a felony punishable by up to two years in prison and making it more difficult for those arrested to be released from jail. Another bill would add participating in unlawful assemblies to the state's racketeering act aimed at organized crime. State Rep. Emily Virgin, the Democratic leader in the Oklahoma House, said she wishes her Republican colleagues would focus on the underlying issue of police brutality and systematic and systemic racism instead of seeking ways to punish protesters. It seems that some of my colleagues took the wrong lesson from the demonstration we saw this summer, Virgin said. Uh, end of the article. So what do you think? Make it legal to run down protesters who impede the flow of traffic on busy highways? <laughs> yeah, well, there, there's some nuance in, in the discussion, I guess. I guess. But uh, um, yeah, if, if you're... In, if you're impeding somebody's freedom, then why do you think you you deserve to have the freedom to do what you're doing? You know, so um, is this a tragedy of the commons because the roads are public? I I don't know, and I don't really care. I think I think the 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 correct way to view it as is what you're trying to accomplish. Like if if you're trying to stop somebody's uh, freedom of movement, I don't care. You know what it's on, um, then are are you are you uh, you know should you be held liable for that? You know, and I say yes. Like, I mean, it's it's not right to do. <laughs> um, How do you hold the if, entire crowd liable? This is always the problem with crowds and mobs and sure. groups. Um, I mean, one way of doing it is uh, by driving over them. Um, that's probably not the route I would take. I would try. I would probably try to avoid them. It's a disincentive. Um, well, okay. You you can try to avoid them, but I I've also seen video of people going slow, trying to avoid them, and they just they they slowly maneuver back in the way. Of course, yeah, because somebody is doing something against your rights, which is you know trying to make you stop. Um, so that you know that that's obviously a problem when somebody's that that's what causes a conflict in the first place. It's when someone tries to. St- take somebody else's freedom away you know whether it's the government or an individual um if you're trying to take somebody's uh life or property or or uh, freedom, freedom of movement of, in this case <laughs> movement um then then there's going to be a conflict and there's you know a, a whole bunch of uh possible solutions driving over somebody is is one of those but it's obviously not something that uh somebody would should take delight in uh <laughs> But um, making it legal, I, I, I think is, um, you know, it should never be le- legal to drive over somebody. Okay. Um, but you know, should it be illegal to stand and, and you know, pr- you know, prevent somebody from free movement? Um, yeah, that should be illegal. So, um, you know, what to do about it if if the cops don't have enough numbers to, uh, you know, arrest the crowd or or force them to move. Um, then, you know, then, then you leave it up to the individuals, uh, to figure out how they're going to do it, you know? So, okay. I hear you. And I have questions because if you make it, if you make it illegal to block traffic, which I can't, it it befuddles me that it's not already illegal (laughs) to to stand in the middle of the freeway and block traffic, (laughs) right? Like, there, you know, if if ever there was a case for there ought to be a law. Uh, no, I mean, I I'm pretty sure it is illegal. Um, okay, I think I think what they try to do is say, well, this is it's legal because it's a form of protest. Well, it's not. You know, it, it, is that a you know can can you make that a, a case that it's a legal form of protest to to block people's movement? And I I say no. But, yeah, I agree with um, you. That's a slippery and, slope, and everything if, illegal if becomes a form of protest. If if you're going to do that, uh, you know, at least go to the government buildings and prevent them from going in or out their buildings. Sure, you know, like that's okay. <laughs> but trying to stop somebody that is, you know, going to their job at a hospital or a power plant or a go to fix somebody's plumbing or whatever they happen to be doing, you know, like, right. No, you don't have the right to do that. <laughs> so, okay. So established. And then the, the, the follow-up question then is, if you are if you are the victim of such behavior, right, how does justice 
play itself out if the cops aren't going to remove the impediment from your path, right? Are are you are you supposed to uh, get names and information of all these protesters so you can sue them civilly later? Is that the appropriate response uh, to being to being blocked on the on the freeway on the highway? Could be. Um, I think you know per- perhaps in a, a more uh, mature civilization. Um, the, the media would be recording all these people and finding out who they are, you know, investigative journalism, and there would be consequences. Or investigative you know, police it work. Wouldn't, yeah, I mean, but it would just be full. You know, if they were behaving appropriately, there, there would be consequences for blocking a highway. I mean, there should <laughs> it be. wouldn't be yeah. just, it, it wouldn't just be, uh, you know, non-consequential. Oh, look what we did. Ha, ha, ha. You know, it... it <laughs> There would be a, there would be a consequence for it, and and I think that's what's missing. Um, you know, whether it's and I do I do blame the the left leaning mainstream media for this a lot. Like they they don't believe in uh, in in consequence. Um, they believe whatever the, whatever they do is uh, is just and right without ever questioning uh, their methods. Sure, was that it? So, Okay. Yeah, that's pretty much it. So, I mean, I I hear what you're saying about the media doing it. It, it would also be police work in general, because one of the things that we do know um, from the insurrection at the Capitol uh, on January 6th is that the police are more than capable of you know uh, taking video and running it through facial recognition software and arresting people for their behavior. So yeah, we know that. We know that. So all so when these when these protesters block the highway, um, it should be sufficient enough, right, to take your lumps, sit in traffic, wait for them to like let you through or move you through or whatever, as long as they're not being overtly violent and putting you in danger in some form or fashion. Um, just take all their pictures, right? And then you go down to the police office, you file a report, you know, since you know, this is the world we live in. Um they're like, here, here's all the people that impeded my flow, impeded my progress, took away my liberty, um, do something about it. And I don't know about you, but I don't think the police would act too much on that aspect of it. No. So, but that's what, but that's why I said it. it's, it's not, it's not just a police thing. It's a, it's a more broad, like society thing. Like it, it shouldn't be acceptable to block somebody's freedom. And maybe that happens less in um new hampshire i don't know do they do they typically do that have you ever heard of it happening in new hampshire where they block a freeway um i have not heard of it i have not experienced it from the you know my group of people in new hampshire um the answer is they would never because new hampshire is a a constitutional carry state and we like gun rights here so yeah and somebody would get shot (laughs) to to impede the freedom uh, and, 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 and free movement of an individual, uh, is you're right. Somebody would get shot. Now, if that is an acceptable remedy, then running them over should also be right. I mean, right. But that's, that's why I said you have to address the, the, the bigger picture is that, uh, people in, let's say left, uh, left leaning states believe that, blocking a highway is an acceptable acceptable form of protest because they completely discard people's basic human rights and i think that's a discussion that they need to have like like do people have basic human rights and you know so far the, the answer is no uh, a mob in in any uh, left state can can get away with whatever they want because the mob is justified because they they deemed it so you know it's like how do you argue with a mob? <laughs> well, <laughs> you for, first you legalize guns and open carry or concealed carry, just carry. Right. Uh, and then people act more civilized, hopefully. And generally, generally I agree with that sentiment, that statement. Uh, in, in this case, where was I going with that? In this case though, it seems to be more of a deterrent since they don't already believe that, right? It's, I don't know which way did Oklahoma go uh, in the last election. I don't, 
I don't, my, my first impression of Oklahoma is not that it's a blue state, right? They might have uh, democratic leaning individuals in the state. Um, but I don't, I, I don't want to, I don't, my, my vision of Oklahoma is not that it's a blue state. It seems to be, you know, red, Southern Republican, conservative, whatever you want to call it, um, on that front. And so there should already be, in my opinion, that, you know, a culture of freedom somewhat. And I think what the legislature in this case is attempting to do is manifest that culture into the law. And I think, you know, one of the, one of the parts of the article here was that it was um, a, a shuddering effect or, or something like a chilling effect um, for the protesters. And I agree with that, but it also should be right. I mean, if, 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 if taking, if there's a chilling effect to prevent you from taking the liberty of someone else, um, I don't necessarily view that as a bad thing. Now we can get into discussion of whether it should be law, whether it should be legal, whether the state should be involved. And I would say no, uh, to all of those things, but there should definitely, there, there, there should always be that chilling effect where you feel like your life is in danger the moment you decide to take away the liberties of somebody else. Right. Yeah. That, that's, that's the, the underpinning of, you know, the armed society being a polite society. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. So, so this legislation, um, you know, much, much like the early days of legislation seems to merely codify the natural rights of people stuck behind protesters, uh, in traffic, as opposed to, uh, creating unnatural laws, um, by fiat, by diktat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As soon as you make one bad law, then you have to make another bad law to make up for that one. And you're constantly making up laws to tell people what they can or can't do. And instead of the obvious, which is tell them what they should do. And what they should do is let people live the way they want and live the way you want and stay out of their way. Don't take their rights away because then they can take your rights away. So, <laughs> right. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's basically it. So, um, keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I think, I think the lesson is don't impede traffic, uh, and you have nothing to worry about. Um, uh, and if you do impede traffic, you know, just be aware that, you know, whether it's, it's the vehicle, uh, coming at you or the driver who is armed, uh, coming at you, um, that your, your life is now on the line because that is not an acceptable form of protest. That is not, you know, protesting government diktats or government behaviors or, or whatever. Uh, that is absolutely violating the liberties, violating the natural rights of another human being. And there are definitely consequences to that behavior. Moving on time for maybe one more, maybe two more. Sure. I just, I did, I did want to point out that. Sure a lot of the stuff that they're protesting is because of the the bad actions of a, of a few bad people uh let's say it's a uh, you know a bad cop abusing people um and why i'm frustrated is because they they're always um misdiagnosing the problem they're saying oh well it's because of racist cops well if you take away the the power from the police to harass and and abuse people, then it doesn't matter if the person is a racist or not. So that's my point: is take their power away, take get rid of all the bad laws, and say, you know, the you know the only job a police officer should have is to protect uh, private life and private property, and whatever else they're doing, uh, let them do it. And if so, if we had that, we'd have a lot less uh, abuse. And they'd have nothing to protest over, but instead, they're trying to end people's personal preferences, um, and it's 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 not solvable. You know, you can't you can't send somebody to a class and make them not and not racist. You know, it's it's a waste of time. <laughs> well, maybe because people people in my opinion, people learn racist behavior. Like I don't think people are born racist. So if you can. T- being being racist has to be taught in some form or fashion. So I want to believe that uh, the opposite is true. 
where people can be taught to not be racist um, over time in some form or fashion. Does that make sense? I, I don't think uh, the uh, the institution of you know policing is the right place to do that though that i will agree with but some um, some form of social outreach perhaps to curb uh someone's racism maybe like you know an intervention of sorts or some you know something to that effect where they can where they can yeah, be shown their mistakes and taught otherwise yeah and I, i'm not and i'm not against activism or uh any of that i just i just don't think uh that that uh it's possible to rid racism from from the world and so to get to a place where people are treated fairly you have to take the 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 ability for them to harm people away and the people that harm people the most obviously are the people that have a monopoly on power and that's the government and the police so yes. take away their power and we'll have you know is it going to be a place with no racism no no impossible <laughs> a noble goal though sure all right Moving yeah, on? i think i think okay. ron, ron okay. paul said uh, racism is is basically a, an ugly form of uh, collectivism yeah and uh yeah everybody should you know treat everybody like an individual that's that's really what we're we're aiming for and uh that's a nice starting point recognize uh, people's individual rights you know same thing for you know blocking traffic you know do you do you really hate this person driving down the highway enough that you're, you're gonna take his rights away like probably not uh, you know? but if, so don't but do if it it's a, <laughs> if it's a cis white male it doesn't matter if you know them personally <laughs> right they're the new devil <laughs> and must be squashed uh i have i have a a friend on facebook who you know posted something i forget what the post was about but he he made a comment that I generally agree with, um, maybe not a hundred percent, but he basically said, um, those people right on whatever side of the, the argument he was talking about, those people are the collectivists, right? In order to, they're the ones collectivizing others and themselves. And therefore in doing so have given up their own individuality to belong to the collective, to, to belong to the collective and therefore get treated in a collective sense. Mm -hmm. um, and I generally agree with that, which is, you know, why I don't have problems using the term those people uh, mm -hmm. in context, whatever, whoever those people may be. Um, and also when it comes to, you know, my disdain for the police um, and my advocacy against them, right? My general belief is, well, you will, the, you will never be able to um, get justice from the individual cop who has harmed you, right? But any member of that group who's wearing that uniform has given up individuality to become a member of that collective, and they all should be treated as such. Hmm. And I may extend that out um, to to groups, organizations, you know, where every where everyone's wearing the same T-shirt, protesting the same thing. Right. It, it may not be that that one dude who stood in front of your car. Right. But as a member of that mob, um, you know, you, you've given up your individuality and will be treated as the mob. You went. Yeah, no, hmm. no. So I don't know. Do, yeah. Do, no, I mean, it's 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 always interesting to to uh, analyze you know, how, how connected are, are we and, and how what groups do we associate with and and, uh, you know. The whole identity issue um you know we obviously uh it's it's better it's one, one of the things that humans uh, evolved to do is to form uh, a tribe the tribe is good for hunting and is good for protection um but eventually tribes uh fight each other because there's nothing less left to fight over um so you know humans are the most um uh, dangerous thing on the planet to each other yes because we have no natural predators so right um but if you if you align yourself with a tribe right then then expect to be treated as the tribe is treated if it becomes uh, a, a tribe on tribe conflict mm -hmm. right like that's 
I think that his has historically borne itself out. Um, and I don't anticipate that being changed, um, any longer, like on, on, when we're interacting with individuals on individual basis, right? Like I'm not, I'm not acting as a member of the tribe, right? But if I go, no, I'm, I'm one of them. I stand behind them. Good, bad, or the other, you know, I'm proud to be an American. I'd bomb the carpet bomb, those brown people in Afghanistan. Uh, and the Afghanistan's coming and go like, well, you're an American, right? Bam. You know, gotcha. Uh, cause, <laughs> cause that's your tribe, right? You know, I'm, I'm a little less sympathetic. So pick, pick a tribe that doesn't, you know, that doesn't advocate violence or infringing on the rights or liberties of other people. Um, pick a tribe that, you know, yeah. preaches that, harmony and balance with each other. And that's one of the reasons why the U S was, uh, or let's just, let's just say Western culture was a success was the idea that individuals can own property and the, the left is pushing against that, uh, as hard as they can. That's what the whole green new deal is about. And, and that's really dangerous. And so, so basically the left is saying that they're going hardcore tribalism and so necessarily what's happening is there's, you know, uh, the alternative to the left is the right ex and extreme right people, um, that are forming their own tribe. Yeah. And, uh, and so there's going to be conflict and that's, you know, obviously not ideal, but what else do they have to do? You know, that it's like, well, um, and depending what, on whose side you're on, right. The, the, the rise of the right was, a direct result of the tribalism of the left, right? The, the entire, um, you know, the, the alt-right rising, the, the Charlottesville protests of 2017, um, the, the, ah, unite the right. See, that's even, it was in the title of the protest, right? <laughs> was because the left is so collectivized that they, they use their collective influence to pick off smaller groups, individuals, who have, you know, conservative values or conservative beliefs. And therefore, regardless of whether or not we agree on everything, right, those on the right uh, needed to rally around each other and support each other in as a direct result of and to confront those collective actions of the left. So it, right. it gave rise to this new form of tribalism as well. So is, is that where we're headed to a left-right divide where it's the left who believes that private property uh, shouldn't exist and the right that says it should. Um, and then what happens when the right no longer believes that pri private property should exist? Ah, then the libertarians it... must take up the mantle of private <laughs> property rights. No. Okay. Because, because I don't, act, I actually don't believe that the right believes in private property. Okay. I, what I believe is the right just hates the left. Yeah, that's it's again that's basically what had what happened, right? They they had they came together for this collective animosity against the left, not that they all mm -hmm. agree with each other. Yeah, but not that they believe in anything is my point. And so what you know the there's there's an idea that that people on the right are socialism and com communism. But are they really? You know, <laughs> and I say no, they're not. They don't give a shit about uh, how much the government takes over. They just want to be in control. Yeah. That's, that's the, that's the whole political spectrum in a nutshell, both sides fighting mm -hmm. over control, um, to force their opinions and their beliefs on the other side. But the, the left was clearly going to gain all the control possible because they operate naturally as a collective. Um, you know, the, the right doesn't necessarily operate naturally in that spectrum and right. therefore had to yeah. unite in some form. Yeah. Yeah. But if, I've, if I've, I've always been more afraid of the, the people on the left, well, not always. Um, there was a, there was a time when I was, you know, when, when you know, when Bush was in office and I was like, man, the, the, the right, they're just out of control. And they were they're you know, invading countries was, uh, deemed defense, you know, and it's still is obviously, brother. obviously a twist of language that is insane. Um, so the right twists language and so does the left and, ah, I'm stuck in the middle here. <laughs> right. So if, if you're, if the concern is that both sides will eventually come for your private property, um, 
Oh yeah, that's that's already been there, done that since right. you know the country was founded. So <laughs> then the only thing you can do is tribe up with those who believe in private property, right? And then do your darndest to defend your private properties against encroachment. Um, you know, whether or not you're successful, whether if that's, you know, that may be the hill to die on for a lot of people. Um, but that's what it takes. You either, you, you know, it's either agreed that you own it or you have to have the ability to defend it against encroachment. Um, and if no one, if no one else no longer, if everyone else no longer agrees that you own it, then your only recourse is to defend it against encroachment. And if it's, you know, if it's you versus, you know, a thousand leftists coming to collectively take your property, uh, you know, it, it's going to be taken. But, but if you can, you know, if you can, uh, unite tribe up with a handful of people, maybe 15 or 20 people who who are also concerned that their private property is going to be stolen, uh, you, you may have a better sh- chance of that collective defense. And I'd be okay with that too, because it's not forced, but it is how you defend your property. Anything else? I think we've hit the end. So final thoughts? Mm, no, thanks. All right. That'll do it for us then. You guys know where to find us. Anarchistexperience.com on Telegram, t.me slash anarchistexperience or t.me slash the anarchist experience. And if you'd like to contribute to the show financially, you can do so through Patreon, patreon.com slash the anarchist experience. Thank you very much for listening. I'll talk to you all next week. Peace.